Hello. Welcome to another episode of Podducer. Today's guest is Hudson Lee. Hey, what's up, guys? This is your host, Just Jerry, coming at you with another episode, episode 26. We're getting there. Um, I don't know where we're getting, but we're getting there. So if you are a first time listener, this is Podducer, the podcast for producers. Um, I haven't been on the mic in a while to record the intro just because I like the podcast to speak for itself. But I've been doing some thinking and I feel like I should address address my audience. And I just want to share, you know, why I do this and why I what's what's the point so the point is pretty much to just talk to people i believe that all we have as human beings are stories stories are what our dna is it's it's essentially a script to make a human being make life and pretty much everything in the world is somehow a story music is just another story so the goal of this podcast is to understand people's stories hopefully that'll help people connect i don't know man it's just people talking like podcasting it's just people talking yeah and i i interview people of all genres and walks of life and it's just bullshitting. Like, literally, we can just go off on a tangent and talk about whatever. So, yeah, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. This is Hudson Lee. He's really cool. That's all I'm going to say. He's just a cool guy. So, let's get into it. Producer. Oh my god, if you could only witness the fucking complexity of the system that I have set up right now. <laughs> Is it like jank or is it just complex? No, it's not just janky. It's just like I'm sitting on this chair in the neighbor's house because the neighbor's out in fucking China. So I'm, I'm basically like house sitting while I'm here at my aunt's. And then um, I have my laptop plugged into this one outlet that's like way across the way from the chair so that I have this other outlet open to charge my audio interface. And then, of course, all my cables are like at least 10 feet long. So I just have these like huge fucking coils of cable on my lap and then my laptop sitting on top of that. <laughs> We're going to make it work just for a little bit. Oh, yeah. No, I can I can do this. I can do this all day. I can do forever. We're we're in the fucking we're in the zone. Yeah, we're in the thick of it now. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I'm more worried about what's going to happen when I have to get up from this. <laughs> oh my goodness. We'll just be That's careful. Yeah, I, I will be careful. Oh, dude, I totally tripped over yesterday and just like broke my phone though. So apparently I'm not that careful. 
Also, this laptop recently had like a ton of protein shakes built on it, and I had to pay like fucking 800 bucks to get it fixed. Uh, my life is just like perpetually breaking and fixing things. But, <laughs> dude, I'm sorry to hear that. That's I'm, I'm such a klutz. <laughs> why, uh, why protein shakes? Um, sometimes I see, I love cooking, but the thing, the thing about cooking is that I like cooking way too extravagant meals for my own good so that I often just get soup. So like, I, I'm, I'm either super, super fucking lazy with it. Like I'm either like, Hey, it's time to live off of Soylent or it's like, okay, I'm going to fucking cook an entire freaking souffle, you know? And mm. so... Because, like, my standard for what I want to eat has, has gone up so much because I've just gotten so into cooking that most of the time when I'm just on my own, I'm like, oh, I, I don't want to fucking do this. And then I just drink protein shakes, man. Soylent, essentially, yeah. Yeah, it, it's like Soylent. Like, dude, today I just woke up, I just shoveled yogurt straight out of the fucking... Dude, me every morning. Thing, and, then, and then I, like, cooked egg. And I didn't even put anything on the egg. I, I just ate fucking straight egg. No salt? Okay, I put a little bit of salt. A little pepper? <laughs> a little salt and pepper. Just not a lot. Yeah. What's your favorite cuisine to cook? I like to get into a lot of Asian cooking. Because I'm like Chinese. And I mean, as much as I'm whitewashed as hell and I, I, I've never spoken the language. I don't know fucking shit about my history my dad still like tries to at least embody it a little bit and so we used to always go to asian markets and stuff like that and he used to do a lot of asian cooking so like i guess something that makes me stand out from other people uh in, in that way is at least i i like to do a lot of different asian cooking sushi mm. lots of different interesting stir fries i can cook really good tofu people like my tofu i really like cooking for other people cooking is a really good way to get inside other people's heads because you know, the smells are, are pretty important to people's memory. And, you know, eating is a very smelly venture. So mm -hmm. I just make like food that I think people might connect with. Would you say that it's analogous to making music? Because, you know, people are like, oh, I'm cooking up a beat. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, my philosophy on life is that there's a very small chance that any of us have free will. Like, I think the whole universe is just sort of this big algorithm where one action is just affecting the next action is just affecting the next action, so on and so forth. It's just a big algorithm. It's just a big stack of dominoes, and I don't think we really have free will. So I think that really all anyone's doing is just taking in stimulation and reacting to it. And so I think literally anything anyone does can be as creative or as not creative as you decide it is. I, I even think that like doing minimum wage job stuff or doing really anything, as I mentioned before, is just like technically creative because you're taking in stimulation and you're processing it into something else. Because I think we're just like all these processes that add up to this one big process that's the universe. So it's all it's all like the same thing. Like I, I see cooking as artistic as art is. And really my music's just my interpretation of the stuff around me. I'm, I'm just taking in stimulation. I'm just taking in all these push and pulls from all these different places and I'm just processing it into my art and I'm doing the same thing when I'm cooking. I'm doing the same thing when I'm working out. I'm doing the same thing when I'm doing literally anything. Like I'm just doing it for myself because I literally can't get inside anybody else's head. So it's all just one thing. So of course it's connected.
So I heard this theory the other day. One of the points that this guy made was that if you can think of a planet or a computer that is the size of a planet, the amount of processing power potential from that has got to be enough to create a simulation. Oh, dude, the thing about that is that there's really ultimate possibilities for, for what we could be doing, you know, like it could be a simulation. You could be a brain in a jar, just like being fed stimulation. You could be a robot. You could be anything, man. Literally anything is possible. You just can't know because the only thing you can experience is what you're experiencing in the moment. Like, you know, you could have just been planted on earth and all of your memories could have just been fed to you. You have no fucking idea. So I don't even like to think about that too much because it's like, well, of course it's possible, but of course there's there's infinite other possibilities. Yeah, of what it doesn't it help well. you I in mean, life. It's 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 a fun thing to think about, mm -hmm. but really, I think uh, the most important thing for humans in general is to just gain as many perspectives on the universe as possible. Because if you can't know anything, then the best you can just do is try to like look at the things you're looking at from as many angles as possible. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just like that's that's why I'm traveling. I'm I'm traveling to like gain more perspective. And I mean, obviously, it's impossible not to gain more perspective because you're always going through time and you're always experiencing new things. I guess I'm just directing what I'm experiencing to something that makes me personally more content. And I think that's the most anyone can do. Okay. Starting out with a little bit of uh, philosophy. Let's uh, let's let's go back a little bit to the humble beginnings of Hudson Lee. Where are you from? How long have you been producing music? I'm from Winnipeg. It's a city of about 700,000 people right now in the heart of Canada. It's almost dead center of North America. So that's that's pretty cool in my opinion. The thing about Winnipeg is that a lot of people who are in Winnipeg get get pretty comfortable. They're not that interested in getting out of their comfort zones and and traveling the world too much and trying to do crazy things. Despite that being one of my issues with Winnipeg and one of my issues with being there sometimes, I think it's got a really lovely communal vibe. I think a lot of people are very friendly. There's only few degrees of separation between any two people. Whenever you meet somebody outside of Winnipeg, you're always like, oh, who do you know? I really love that vibe about it. I really love everyone trying to be as good as they possibly can be to each other. It's difficult for me to say when I started producing music because once again, the way that I look at the universe, everything is sort of this big process, right? And so I could probably pick several points and memories where I could have been like, okay, I've started writing music now. But at the same time, you know, I've always been processing my surroundings around me into things my entire life, right? Mm -hmm. Even being younger, I'm scribbling on paper and stuff like that. And I, I don't think that's honestly too different from what I'm doing now. I think it's just the way the way people perceive my art has changed as it's gotten more detailed in some ways. So it's it seems like it's like a stacking thing, like you just keep adding more onto what's already there. I don't think it's that I keep adding more. I think I just become more efficient at processing the content around me into my own content. Mm, so the, if that makes sense. Yeah, like the funnel of you is just getting better. Yeah, and obviously better is like really subjective too. Like I don't believe there's good or bad anything out in the world. There's just what your preference is. I'm personally 
more happy and content with what I'm doing. By that logic, yeah, I've I've gotten way better at funneling everything into my art. Because of that, it's also really difficult for me to for me to be like, okay, I started music in 2013 or whatever, and sure that might be when I picked up Fruity Loops or whatever, but I don't know if that's when I would say I started producing music. You know. Hmm. I get that. You know, you said that it's not necessarily better. What is that? that nuanced thing that you're happier with the art that you're making? Is it just because it's what is I right just like now? like the way it sounds more. <laughs> well, that's fair. I don't think there's something super specific because music's a contextual thing. You're never going to hear the same piece of music and hear it the same way twice. So the best you can just do is create these experiences that fit into these specific contexts in your life in this really awesome way and i guess i just make music now that fits into more context that i enjoy more times i don't know it's hard to describe i think i've always had the sort of philosophies and understandings that i've had and so i think i would always have considered myself an artist just like since as long as i can remember man Hmm. i've just always been making art i can tell you that there was definitely a very specific point when I had decided, okay, I'm going to create an album and it's going to be this package that's sort of partitioned from anything else I'm doing. Headspaces is sort of my first project and it's kind of difficult for me to consider it even finished now because I don't ever think any piece of art is finished because you can always just keep processing it and keep changing things into other things. Mm -hmm. It's really difficult for me to describe these things because I just see life as this gradient. You know, I don't really see a start or an end to most things. You seem like such an old soul. Do you mind? How how old are you? I'm 19. Dude, what? <laughs> You're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. A lot I'm of people t- would say so. I mean, you just seem so mature. I'm 24 and... I mean, when I was 19, I was kind of, I was saying like a lot more, <laughs> um, oh but God. yeah, you just seem like an old soul. Do you believe in a reincarnation? You ever heard about those people that they just come out and they're like, yeah, I was, uh, dude, once again, it's possible. I was King Henry at one point. Everything's possible. Dude, I'd consider myself to be all religions and no religions. I've come to a point where I've understood so much about the universe that I understand that I can't really know anything at all. That's that classic uh, quote. I don't know who said it. Maybe it was like Plato, but he's like, I know that I know nothing. Something like that. The more you know, the more you don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I'm sort of at a point in my life where I'm kind of like, I I really don't know anything. So the best I can just do is keep moving forward, keep having experiences and within those experiences to try to take on a perspective where I can enjoy them and enjoy myself and enjoy life and just be content. I like that. What are some of your early musical inspirations if we're going to stay on the subject of music? My friends. <laughs> the people I uh, the people I'm closest to. Um, it's, it's really weird for me to go back. I can't really think of the, the first musicians that I would have ever really started listening to, but I can tell you that the most influential ones to my career were definitely some of the, the upscale dudes in the early days, like um, Frequent. 
Frequent's probably one of the most influential musicians to me just because not only did he become one of my best friends, but I think we share a lot of the same philosophies and perspectives on life. In getting to know him, he uh, really showed me a lot more about life that I hadn't ever seen before. Like he showed me a lot of new sides to it and a lot of new sides to hearing things. His perspective on the way things sound had really influenced my perspective as I got to know him more. That's why we run our label together because we influence each other a lot and because I, I like to think that we inspire each other a lot. So I want to talk upscale. I also will definitely talk about the album, but how did you meet Frequent? I hit him up on Facebook and I was all like, hey, I want to I wanna learn from you. I want to hear what you have to say. I want to hear your perspectives. And I took a lesson with him. And then he found that he was super interested in what I was doing and thought that I could be beneficial to what he was doing. And we just started talking more and more and more. We've met in person a few times. I've taken a few trips down to Denver now with that most recent one being me being there for five weeks and working on our album. How did the idea of Upscale come to be? I actually didn't start the label. It was originally uh, Nolan and his other friend Alden and this dude who ran this label called Adapted Records named Corey. And they ran it for like a year or two until Alden decided... Alden writes music under the name Evoke. Hmm. And then Alden decided that he wasn't really interested in the sort of genre that, that Upscale was representing anymore. He wanted to go in a bit more poppy vocal direction. So he's doing that now. And he's doing a really fucking good job of it. So... It was uh, sort of just Nolan, and uh, then Nolan decided he wanted to continue. He wanted to continue it, so he took me on board, and then it sort of became our thing. We've really made it represent our personalities. It's really like our imprint. So you said that uh, Evoke didn't want to continue the musical style that Upscale represents. What is that style? Well, back in the day. They were going for very, very sort of specific hip hoppy drum and bassy sound. Uh, now I would say that it's it's not as specific as it used to be. And now Nolan and I are just interested in representing our favorite music and our favorite musicians and our best friends. So I don't want to speak for you, but it sounds like it's possible to change. Like whatever, you're just going to go with the times and whatever you're liking in that moment you just want to represent talented people exactly i i don't i just want to i just want to represent good art man but what is good art no i'm just it's like going well, back there to is, that whole there thing is no good like, or bad art there's just art yeah. that i prefer <laughs> <laughs> okay um so what is working for a soundcloud label look like like what do you do there What's the what's the day in the life of a label manager? I just do things. <laughs> That's all <laughs> you can do is just do things. Mm -hmm. And try to try to not to think about it too hard. For upscale, I send out a lot of promotional emails. I coordinate visual artists together to create a whole package with the music. I talk to musicians and I help them direct their projects and I sort of help them mix them down to the way that I think would sound good and the way that I hope would sound good to them too. And I coordinate people together so like I, I bring people together collaboratively so if somebody has 
a demo that I think somebody else could sound awesome on, then I might connect those two people together. Do you do much scouting? I probably have one of the most diverse tastes of of anyone I know. So I'm I'm always listening to music. I'm listening to music more than I'm not listening to music. And through that, you know, I'm I'm always on the depths of SoundCloud finding new people. I definitely like to stick to a lot of the people I know, not only because I know they're capable of consistently writing experiences that I'm really into, but also because I, I really like to work with artists long term. And I like to try to promote their work on and off the label and to sort of help them direct their whole aesthetic into being this big cohesive universe that, that they've created. And, and I like to accentuate that rather than it just being a place where I just post people's tracks. Because a lot of SoundCloud labels and, and stuff like that really fall flat for me because really all they're doing is just posting music they like and not really doing anything above that. But with Upscale, I really like to try to make it a family. I really like everyone to be well acquainted with each other so that we can really help build up each other's careers long term. We're just like checking in on each other and talking and worrying about more than just music too. Like I think Upscale really transcends being exclusively about the music. I think it's also about this whole aesthetic we've created and as I said before, just being supportive of each other. So I kind of want to take a sidestep, um, you know, pre-podcast we were talking and you were saying how you're traveling, how do you fund it? Because my biggest struggle is like, I want to, I want to travel around, but like, fuck, I want to get paid to go. Like, oh, banquet serving, dude. <laughs> oh yeah? Banquet serving. That's where the money's at. Also my side project makes a decent amount of money. Is it lofty? Yeah. Now that I'm in Toronto, I typically do it with my other half of the project, Matt McWaters, and he's like an incredible fucking R&B musician. And we both sort of came from the same scene, writing this weird IDM technical shit and then starting to introduce more melodic stuff into it. He came from even more like hardcore drum and bass stuff than I ever did. I've always been sort of doing melodic stuff, but we came together now and we were just like, hey, what if we just like shout out this pop project and then we put together this 10 track album in like a week or two. Uh, the name's literally a bastardization of the word lo-fi. Oh, and then, nice. except like mixed with the idea that that we're lofty, we have lofty endeavors with this project and what started out as a bit of a joke sort of turned into something that I'd like to think is, is pretty special. I'm pretty proud of the music on it. We've garnered quite a quite a few million streams on on the on the gosh darn thing it's kind of crazy how it started out just like as us joking around and messing around and improvising and whatever and turned into this really special thing and now we're doing another record and we've been doing records with all of our good friends and stuff too it's been it's been really cool You just released Headspaces and you said that you'd been working on that for, you know, 
years, few years. Yeah, literally. And how does it feel to release a project of that magnitude? Feels pretty good, man. Feels pretty good to have it off my plate and feels pretty good to be able to move on from it. I'm incredibly proud of it. I'm I'm really happy with the way with the way everything turned out and I'm really happy with the way it represents myself as as a debut release. It's been really exciting to see people make art from it. One of the more exciting things to me is when people create new experiences based on the experience that I've already put out. So there've been a few really crazy hula hooping dance videos that popped up on Instagram to some of the tracks on it. Just stuff like that. That's that's honestly the most exciting thing for me out of out of all of the responses. Or actually even more exciting than that is definitely my friends being proud of me. But that's the second most exciting thing. One of the songs off the album is Patience, and that was the first music video that came out on Upscale. I noticed that there are some doodles in there that you supposedly helped with. Is that something you also do? Uh, that was mostly Ethan in that video, but I definitely, I'm proud of some of my sketches in there. I, I spent, a, I sunk a lot of time into that. Can't even fucking imagine how long Ethan did. And yeah, I, I started doing visual art stuff way before I started experimenting too much with with audio work actually i've been sketching ever since i was very very young and i even went to a bit of an art school for it for like a decade i'm very visual i'm very interested in touching on that sense and i'm very interested in making awesome visual art i mean i sort of pulled together 16 art pieces for the whole album too some of it is my photography some of it is some other people's but i, I sort of directed the whole thing and i really wanted the album to be as much of a visual experience as it was an audio experience. Yeah, dude, the art looks great. It looks really cool. Thank you. Yeah. So for the doodles in the music video, do you have to sketch every frame? Is that how it yes. works? Oh my God. Yes, we did it in Photoshop, which is not even meant for that, but it's the best we had. And you can load video into Photoshop. So we loaded in video. And then we did went frame by frame, creating another layer over and over and over again, piecing each thing in place and just drawing it all in. So it was very, it was very excruciating. And is the footage from that video like stuff that you filmed? Um, it's stuff that Ethan's grandfather filmed. So Ethan's a visual dude that I work with a lot. And his grandfather passed down to him a ton of Super 8 and eight millimeter footage from the 40s to 70s, I want to say. And there's some really crazy shit in there. Like there's a video of two dudes racing on chariots with emus pulling them along. Crazy lions and birds and this dude kicking a crocodile. And there's just so what? much beautiful footage that we have from the 40s to 70s that's recorded on this vintage film. And we've just been sort of pulling together this whole audio visual series, uh, editing that footage on top of music that I've been making and trying to do crazy things for that footage.
yeah, me and me and Evan have been trying to create this sort of dystopian monolithic metal metallic distorted universe that we sort of have envisioned in our heads and have talked about and and this is just a track that sort of fits into it and helps build build on it but ultimately i guess the vibe of of the ep in general is just us trying to have a an awesome time here in toronto don't think way too much about about what i'm doing and it's a lot of just simple sounds that have just been arranged in such a way that the composition is interesting enough that it makes the simple sounds sound more complex in the way they come together as I, as I mentioned before context is everything and so when i'm writing music what makes my music interesting to me is everything everything about it like the timbre of each note before and after the current note and the note that's being played before and after and where it is in the stereo field, it all comes together to be incredibly important in the end. Like I think some of the most interesting compositions are the ones that really consider this context and for example might have a really monotonous section that goes on for a long time so that when the note changes even or some other crazy thing happens because of the setup for the event the event is that much more impactful because it really draws listeners in to be in this similar headspace listening to it so that when it happens it, it all blows everyone's minds how did you learn the composition do you have like any music theory background how did you nah, dude, learn you how just to gotta write? listen you just gotta listen i just use my ears i can only write within the confines of what i can hear if I can sort of envision something in my head and I can and I can hear what I'm doing, then then that's that's all it really needs to be. Like, I don't I don't really consider I mean I know like a bit of the theory, but really theory is only just naming things that are already there that you can figure out intuitively, you know? I get you, man. I just sometimes people are like, "What well, did you uh, grow up in a musical family?" Some, some people just make sense why they're good songwriters. It's because they have been like trained from such a young age to know how to do it. But I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that that's you're better off in that case. Like it's definitely going to give you a, a head start in certain regards, but it might be hindering another. I, I'm not sure. I mean, it's it's neither. It's just, I think a lot of people who have grown up in musical families and stuff like that are better at representing what they want to in sound just because they're told to listen, just because they're told to actually consider that, just because they're told to think about it. And I mean, I think anyone who has the capabilities to listen to what they're hearing and to sort of understand what they're hearing in their own way has the ability to write it. So, I mean, of course it can, it, I, I mean, I don't think being taught the music itself is hindering, but I just think it's the person's perspective that can be hindering because they're not listening as intently or not thinking or considering things. And I mean, once again, there's no good or bad music. Like, I don't like to think of any musician being objectively better than another musician, but I can tell you that a lot of the music I personally prefer and a lot of the compositions I personally prefer come from all freaking walks of life and it just comes down to a person really considering where their where their notes are at and and just having an ear for making things sound the way that I like it to be
I think if people stopped trying to objectify the world around them, like stopped trying to be like, okay, this is objectively good or this is objectively bad and objectively meaning like totally truthfully, absolutely. Like this is consistently going to be like this in, in all scenarios where this is good or this is bad. Like it's beyond, um, you know, human perception. I feel like if people were just like, okay, well, there's not necessarily any good or bad, but there's just things I prefer. Mm-hmm. Then I think a lot of people would be a lot happier. <laughs> yeah. And there'd be a lot of less conflict. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure that you've also seen how people can get where they get kind of tribal about stuff. They're like, oh, well, you didn't actually use the yeah. correct dubstep <laughs> snare for um this. It's just like, if it's not that way, you're going to be judgmental of it and yeah. disregard it, essentially. Exactly. And I think that's the reason a lot of people like working with me. I mean, I, I could I could be wrong, but I, I'm very collaborative and I work with a lot of different people. And I think a lot of different people like working with me because I approach things from the angle of, well, okay, nothing you're doing is really good or bad, but I, I prefer it to sound like this, but I have an open mind and that could change depending on the context I'm listening to it in. You know, I'm very open-minded. I'm very open to, to other ideas, I, I'd like to think. You don't seem like a judgmental person at all. Not at all. Not in the slightest. I can't judge people, dude. I literally can't experience somebody else's feelings or thoughts. So who am I to say that they should be thinking or feeling a certain way when literally nobody can get inside my head either? Mm-hmm. I, I can like I can only really sort of prove my own existence even at the most fundamental level. And then even beyond that, it's like, okay, well, I have no idea exactly what you're feeling and i can do my best to try to feel something similar and empathize but i don't think anybody can absolutely and truly empathize and totally understand what another person's feeling so the best thing i can do is to just do do be happy and content for myself and that uh, a large part of that is is trying to help the other people around me be whatever their definition of happiness is you know Mm -hmm. yeah I, i fully agree with that These are some cuts off of the uh, EP I'm doing with Matt for Lofty uh, in collaboration with Joe Refract's side project. Refract with a capital Q, if you've ever seen that name around. Yeah, Soda Island. Yeah. Uh, so these are with Matt and Joe. Um, this started out as a really cute improvisation session. When I was at Nolan's house in Denver for five weeks, Joe actually came on the last week because he's living in LA right now with uh, Ramzoid and Grinpret. And he came up and we were just like, yo, let's just write an EP. And so we, I did a bunch of guitar improvisation. Uh, he did a bunch of keys improvisation. And we both helped produce out these tracks that we were just like improvising out. <laughs> Took us like a day to to get three ideas down and then later uh i took them on my laptop to toronto and matt and i worked on them yesterday so these are these are very fresh actually it gives me like vibes of this video game nolan and i were playing we're down there called hyperlight drifter oh bro dude i just finished that game with my roommate sick you know when you go to the right of the middle like you go to the east and it's all like these like water huge marble structures and the things that transport water from one place to another place oh aqueducts yeah aqueducts 
we got it. There's all these aqueducts and vines growing on things, and it's all very lush and pretty and cyan. And and this track sort of felt like that to me, and I, I probably uh, drew some inspiration subconsciously from from playing that because Nolan and I played played through the whole gosh darn thing, and we're really excited about it. This is, I just want to say it's a good talk so far. I feel like we're getting getting down and dirty and philosophical about stuff. Sometimes it's like, sometimes it's just like, yeah, I don't know. It, it just depends on your guests. I'm not trying to like shit on any of my guests. <laughs> like just some people have more to say about their art. And I think that, you know, maybe that's why some people make music is because they're not super vocal and they're just like i'm just gonna let my music speak for itself oh dude sometimes i don't really always want to talk but when, I, when i'm when i'm in the right mood I, I can talk forever i can i have an infinity of ideas what do you think of this resurgence of just people going by their name like you don't have to be like yo my name's blastoise killer like i don't triple x 69 blastoise killer 420 yeah Rifle cowmoji. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I I don't know. I think a lot of people are born with pretty beautiful names that roll off the tongue. And I was pretty fortunate to be one of those people. And I was like, oh man, I don't know what I want to call myself because I don't know what I'm going to regret calling myself later once I start putting out so many fucking stupid projects, right? Mm. It was just like, all right. Well, I guess this is my name now. And I already explained how the Lofty name came to be. We felt like we had to come up with a name for our sort of band because we were both using our own names for our solo projects so we couldn't just be Matt and Hudson. We were forced into using an alias. So I don't know. I, I've never been like <laughs> in a position where I've really been like, oh yeah, I want to use this this name to represent myself, you know? And I, and I mean, I, I can't really get in properly into the head of anybody else who does because I, I haven't really been in that headspace myself but I guess for Nolan for example who's frequent uh, his whole vibe is that he wants to sort of represent this whole alien universe that he's been creating and so having not his name on the front of his project sort of works to fit the brand and helps accentuate this world he's making instead of it just being a human name you know like it's like it's more otherworldly to use the word frequent to describe yourself than to use Nolan, you know. I get, I get what you're saying with the you know if you're creating this really bizarre universe that's not human, then maybe take on a name that's like not human. Not human, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, when you're picking an alias, it's uh, it's gotta pass the will I think this is cool when I'm thirty threshold. So. There's a lot of people's aliases, and I, I don't know if they'll think they're they're still cool when they're 30, but there's definitely a lot of aliases where it really, you know, adds to the aesthetic. <laughs> Speaking of tweets, I kind of want to just read one of your tweets, so... Oh, dude, my Twitter's all sappy shit about releasing music. Not this You're one. Not, find <laughs> not this one. Oh, wait. Um, okay. So you said... Or what, you retweeted Mr. Bill. He said... Uh... Minecraft.xxx, go here and click on Devil Stage. Me and Hudson Lee are going oh, in yeah. on a set. We, uh, 
So we uh, we we recorded a, a twenty minute mix of of some music we were really into, and there was a Minecraft uh, music festival. So there was a website where you could stream all these sets from all these really awesome artists, and uh, Bill and I were were did a set together on it, and uh, put some put some of our unreleased music there and just played it out to like thousands of people who were also bouncing up and down in minecraft and we're also talking over discord such a new age idea we're gonna play a set through a video game but at the same time yeah. it's it happened like marshmallows set in fortnite did you hear about that yeah i did hear about that it's kind of similar memes it's like i think it was the most viewed set of all time which makes sense because anyone can pretty much watch it i guess just going off that like well, I got a couple questions. First of all, how did you get in contact with Mr. Bill? He's kind of a legend. Uh, well, Bill's just Bill lives pretty close to Nolan. They're pretty good friends, and so by consequence, I've I think I'm pretty decent friends with Bill. Oh, cool. And uh, he's just been really interested in what you've been what we've been doing through Upscale, and I've been really interested in what he's doing. So I try to help him out with. I've been trying to help him out with his label whenever I can, and. He's really down to earth. Like, man, something that's really cool about a lot of these dudes and upscale and whatever. I mean, obviously numbers get to almost everyone's head at some point, but I think a lot of these humans are really just in it to write the coolest music they can and to create the coolest experiences they can. And I think Bill's with that. And so I don't think he really cares about us being big or small. He just really fucks with what we're doing and vice versa. Going back to this whole Minecraft, first of all, it was for Firefest. It was like a joke Firefest <laughs> thing, which is hilarious. Oh my god, yeah. Um, but also, what do you think of this kind of set list, this kind of performance? It's, you know, it's through a video game. What do you think of potential future set lists, like VR sets? Like, you just put on your goggles and you're like, at a show, or... Oh man, do you know who AU5 is? Yeah, I do. I was over at his house when I was in Denver, and he really introduced me to VR because he had a Vive. And so it's not just you're in this headset. It's like your whole room is converted into this virtual space, too, on top of that. And you can see where the walls are in the headset and stuff like that, and you have the two sticks to control it. And I don't think just streaming sets online is ever gonna have the same energy as a live music festival and i don't think vr sets are gonna have remotely the same kind of energy but it would be really interesting to see how people throw shows and stuff like that with the visual effects because i think you can do some really fucking incredible visual things in vr that are much more difficult to do with physical limitations you know and like obviously it's a lot easier to budget money wise because you don't have to have tons like hundreds of humans in the same area at the same time yeah you could go to the show and be at home exactly so you can just have like hundreds of people sort of viewing the same really fucking insane visuals at the same time you know and from different angles and like exactly tons of so there's a lot of there's a lot of potential um as much as I thought Firefest was fucking awesome, I definitely, I, I, it was really awesome the way that it brought a ton of people together to have this group energy, to be experiencing sort of similar things at the same time in the same way like 
people and religions gather there's energy when there's lots of people in the same space you know mm-hmm. and online is a way to bring people together without having to worry about logistics too much but it definitely doesn't compare to uh hundreds of people being in being in a room you know yeah i know but i think with vr the visual experience is, is really is really where all the potential's at for my interest at least because i think fucking virtual reality music videos would be awesome and i know some really crazy talented people who are doing some really crazy stuff with VR visually. I want to ask you two wrap-up questions. I want to start out with, what was the first concert you've been to? In Winnipeg, there's this really huge folk festival called the Winnipeg Folk Festival. There's like tens of thousands of people that go to it now. And uh, my family's always been pretty involved with it for uh, a long time. And so I've been like, it's a festival that's been running for decades now. And I, I my mom went to it while, while she was pregnant with me. So I've I've gone almost, almost every year of my life and I've volunteered, helped out, uh, run cable and stuff on main stage so yeah that's like probably my first concert experience my first concert experience with my own music was actually in in denver uh nolan brought me on stage and and played some of my my album out to a small show he was doing and so there was like a little over 100 people in the room so it wasn't big but it was pretty fucking awesome to see the energy of a bunch of people dancing around to my music and I know that he's played out like our our collaborative works to like thousands before and, and that's freaking insane to me well, those seem pretty important. My follow-up question is, what was the most impactful concert you've been to? All the concerts I've been to have just been impactful for different reasons. I can say the most recent, most impactful concert I was at was, was Nolan's show, where like my music was being played, because you know, it's, it's kind of surreal to see like the, uh, the product of my process affecting so many people in a room at the same time that's the most memorable one to me but is also the most recent and the recency effect is a thing i don't know i mean it seemed fucking pretty crazy though like because the other reason it was so impactful was because everything's contextual and that was a vastly different context from uh anything I'd, i'd really ever experienced before so by having this new perspective on the way music can be heard i think that it will affect what i'm writing in this way where i'm interested in certain rhythms and stuff to get people moving yeah like you saw it in the live context it made me enjoy a lot of different types of music more than i would otherwise because i was like hmm it flows this way in this setting and it doesn't necessarily flow this way in any other setting Um, all right, man. Well, fuck. Like, any any shout-outs, any plugs, any exciting stuff coming up? Well, I'll start by saying that I have a sub-pack. Um, and that's that's another uh, really cool fucking perspective of looking at music that sort of uh, affected me in the similar way of being seeing a live show. But uh, my biggest my biggest shout-out probably be to the whole, whole Upscale crew for... Being, being my support group and being some of my favorite musicians 
Um, huge shout out to my my girlfriend for just like inspiring a large portion of what I do. Like my album, as much as most of it is like my own experiences and also building on myself, you know, a, a good portion of it is is really about her, and she's probably affected me in in more ways than a lot of people have. And I'd also like to uh, give a shout out to Eric for introducing you to me and stuff. Yeah, shout out Saka, Joseph Chow, Saka. That's that's the that's going to be the big shout out of this one because without without him this wouldn't have been possible in the slightest. Well, thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate it. This was a this was a fun philosophical talk. Yeah, man. I I hope you learned something. I'm definitely going to learn more because I have to go back through this and edit it all. <laughs> <laughs> I sound yeah, salty, I'd, but I'm not. <laughs> no. I mean, dude, I, I know the feeling. I, I always sound salty about music, too. Like, I'm always like, oh, I'm going to have to finish all these projects. But in reality, <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm working with my favorite musicians of all time, and the music is awesome. I love it. Yeah. Well, good, man. Keep doing your shit, man. I'll be listening. Yeah, you too. Producer. Producer.